Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8 this morning. As you know, many of you know that we're not we're we're working through the book of Acts. We're not working through it verse by verse. Um, I sometimes wish we were. Today is one of those Sundays that I wish we were, because there's just so much here. And you know, I, I pray. I spend some time with the Lord to try to really come up with what the Lord really wants me to share with you. And um, and one of my criteria for that is just the whole concept of, um, uh, Lord, I, I want, I want this to mean something to me. And so I just don't want to have to come and just do a message just to do a message. I, I really want you to speak to me in your word. And, um, and so I say that to you just to let you know that it's, this is a, this is a real journey for me that I'm on. And I guarantee you that I struggle as much with things in the scripture as you do. I guarantee you that I do. And I, I guarantee you that I would, uh, that, I struggle with the with the stark reality of the truth of the Bible in my life, and 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 the and the other side of that struggle being the the gray matter in my life. I, the song you know that we sang, you know, prone, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love is an absolute statement you could put on my gravestone if I were to die today. You too. We're all there, right? And thank God for His mercy and thank God for His grace, right? That He uses just little feeble broken vessels like us to speak such a big eternal message. It's good. So this morning, I wanted to talk with you about the Scripture that where Philip meets this Ethiopian man in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And I'm going to pick on just one little piece of scripture that I think is really appropriate for us. Let's read, though, this account. Philip had been chosen uh, by the apostles to really be one of the first missionaries to begin to plant the church. The church now, as we can see it in Acts, from a, from a, from a kind of a, a geographical perspective, where the church is moving out from Jerusalem, it's moving out into the countries of Samaria, out into Galilee, out into the world, which is God's plan. And Philip is one of the first, obviously, people who just moves out and he begins to tell people about the good news of Jesus. And look what happens. He had already here uh, come across a few occurrences where the, the church was not being persecuted and scattered. You read some of that in Acts chapter 8, kind of 1 through 3. And then he spends some time in Samaria there. And uh, where it says, look there, and in, in, actually looked up there in verse 4, it says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. And look what happens there in verse 7. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And he continues to move. He has an encounter here with a man by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. We're not going to spend time on that passage as much as verse, verse 26. And you've heard this passage before if you uh, are a church baby. Uh, but I want to pick on one piece of the verse. But I want to read the whole thing first. So uh, just kind of read along with me in verse 26, Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, look what, look, look what happens here. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. What a beautiful story this is. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, which was a unique thing because the Ethiopians worshipped the sun. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So there's this concept that you're getting here that Philip's movement is this spirit-led life. You know, he's being talked to and he's moving with where God wants to send him. And then in verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. What an interesting question he asked him. He says, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. And I love this response. Well, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture, Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? By the way, this is a great way for us to approach scripture and truth in our lives, just like the Ethiopian did. He asked the question, tell me, who's the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord just suddenly took Philip away. Hmm. And the eunuch did not see him any, any, him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Stop. The verse I want to pick on today is the uh, verse 26. Let's go back to that. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I want to talk to you about one thing today. Something that's really a hot topic with all of us, especially if I spend a lot of time with you, and it's this, God's will. God's direction, God's will in our lives. I was going to show you one of my favorite movie clips of all time, one of the best from one of the best movies of all time, Nacho Libre. What? It's unbelievable cinema. That's all I got. I mean, I cannot watch the movie without absolutely cracking up. But if you want to, you want a bird's eye view into someone's theology. We we lost our wireless signal. I was going to play you the YouTube video where he's Ignacio is in the church. He hasn't told everybody that he's this unbelievable wrestler in Mexico. And he sits, stands, sits, really kneels before the Lord with all these candles. He says, Lord, if you will just make me a great wrestler and allow me to win all kinds of money, I will take that money and I will use all the money to help the children in the orphanage. And I thought, hmm. As I looked at that this morning, I thought, 
Isn't, isn't that what we do? Don't we? We're wanting to know what the Lord wants. Lord, why he says, he says, why did you make me such a great wrestler? <laughs> me and my stretchy pants and my white boots, you know? And we're, we, 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 we sit before the Lord and we, 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 we kind of go, okay, well, um, I don't know really what you want me to do. Oh, I, and then he finally gets this epiphany. And the epiphany is, okay, well, I'm going to go wrestle and we're going to, and I'll make you the deal. And if I go wrestle and I win, then I'll give you the money. And suddenly he's off, he's gone, and he finally figures it out. It must be God's will. Well, for those of you that have seen the movie, he goes that night and he loses. How is it that we, talk to me for a minute, how do we seek God's direction in our lives? What do you do? Somebody say pray, right? Barter. What? Barter. Barter, sure, just like, just like Ignacio, right? Barter. If, Lord, I'll do if you. Lord, I'll do if you. If I do these things and they go well, these four things, or maybe 4,000, then you're in it, right? It's frustrating. And it's especially interesting. And I know some of you are sitting there going, well, look at Philip here. He, he had an angel appear and said, go. But what's interesting about this is this, as we think about God's direction in our lives. Is it, uh, Philip's told to go south. And that's it. And I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But this question that I wanted to talk with you about this morning is an important question because many of us have, follow this now, many of us have what you would call a framework of understanding the direction of God. So we have a framework where we understand how to determine God's will, God's direction. Usually what this comes from is it comes from, um, oh, past, things that we've been involved in. It comes from our parents. It comes from church. When the missionary stands up and says, I, I was, I, when I was 14 years old, a missionary came to church and, and I, I knew that the Lord wanted me to go to Africa. How did he know? Help me. Did he know? Come on. How did he know? I mean, we've all heard that. We've, we, we're all a bunch of disenfranchised church people. We use that all the time, don't we? We say, well, I, God, God's leading me to go to Africa. How did, how did he know? Did, did he have the Lord show up on top of his refrigerator? Did he know? Did he know 100% for sure? It's not a trick question. Did he know? No. So then how could he speak with such surety? Have you ever heard someone say this? God's told me to do this. Well, at that point, I I guess I can't say anything, right? That's the ace. (laughs) Isn't that true? If if game's a poker, you know, know, table, if life is a poker table, I mean, you know, if somebody says God's told me to do this, oh, well, geez, you know, I'm not going to speak against the Lord. Did he, how do you know that it was God? Right? 
But we all have this. We all have collected this framework where we try to understand what God's will is. And usually it comes from books or seminars and pulpits and parents and everything. And many of us, now follow this now, many of us have developed what you would call a complete theology out of this compilation. A complete theology of understanding God and what he's doing. And we are constantly asking the question in our lives, what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. And maybe that's the wrong question. In other words, many of us have become obsessed with finding the will of God for our lives, yet oftentimes the will of God seems to be, as in this case with Philip, it seems to be, follow this now, it seems to be secret, it seems to be more hidden and it almost seems to be that as we try to find it out, we're on the we're on the uh, you know the fool's errand. The secret counsel of God. There's this aspect of God knowing things that He obviously, and it's very evident in the Scriptures, does not want to reveal it to us. He didn't look at Philip and say, "I want you to go down south on the road, and you're going to run into an Ethiopian dude in a chariot who's reading Isaiah 53." I would love that kind of clarity. Lord, am I supposed to move out of Nashville? Or am I supposed to marry her? Or am I supposed to marry him? Or I mean, the, word, the, 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 the examples can go on and on, right? But for some reason, now listen to this, for some reason, God has secrets that he's just not willing to tell. We are not, we aren't like that. No one, none of us can keep secrets. I remember the day that my brother decided when you're young men, I don't mean to be gross ladies, but one of the great things about being a young kid playing out in the woods is that you can just go to the bathroom anywhere you want. I remember one day my brother did this and my dad looks out the back door and he goes, what are you doing? I hear my dad, hey, hey, what are you doing? Cal, you know, looks and he runs up to my dad and he says, listen, son, when you have to use the bathroom, just come inside. It's kind of a thing humans do. We laughed about it. But now it became a whole nother game. Because dad said it was wrong. So now my brother decided that he was just going to kind of initiate the whole woods. And that was his and my secret. And it was held in good stead until my brother crossed me. At which time he came out at the dinner table one night. Just out. We were eating whatever it was we were eating. And I just blurted out, Dad, Cal's still peeing in the woods. And my dad thought it was so funny. And aren't these the best moments when you say something and he's now my dad looks at looks at everybody is going like this and he can hardly start to laugh. And my brother thinks he's all set because my dad's laughing at it. You know, I can't we can't keep secrets. We're humans. But God apparently has a lot of secrets and a lot of the secrets that he has involve his sovereign will as it relates to our personal lives, that is really, really a struggle with us.
So I sit with you and you sit with me and this is what the conversation looks like a lot of times between us. Oops. You know what that is? It does it look like me? Mike? Yeah. This is what happens. We sit we sit around a table, frothy monkey. Okay. There we go. We sit around a table the frothy monkey and we get around our little fortune glass. Our little you know, we're there, you know, and everybody's everybody's going you know, we're 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 kinda like we're wanting to almost be uh, evangelical fortune tellers. That's 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 kind of what what it becomes. You see, we 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 uh, we we want to look back and we look back and everything. And here's here's kind of how we do. We want to decipher the signs of God. We want to decipher the will. We're we're putting our hands around it. Well, this happened, and here's here's how the trajectory of these conversations always go. It goes like this. Well, when I decipher the the will of God and, av- and when I look back, if everything was good and happy and sweet, then it was God deal. Follow. Do you follow what I just said? In that, as we're putting our hands on the fortune, you know, over, we're trying to get it. If it was good and happy and sweet, it must be God. If it was painful, if it was a struggle, or if it was miserable, there's no way it could have been of God, right? Or if we feel good about something, it must be of God's will. Which usually means that I won't, don't want to do anything if it doesn't feel good. Because that would mean pain and I don't want that. So we, many times, as followers, I'm trying to talk about Philip here, and I'm trying to talk to you about me, we, many times, as followers, are actually trying to do something that's impossible in our lives. And that is, I want to decipher and I want to figure out what God is doing when maybe what I need to do is just say, God, who, who are you? And, and maybe because you haven't told me, you have a role for me to play, but that role for me to play is far more mysterious and trusting than it is clarifying and knowing. That's hard for us. So look at verse 26. Look what it says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, to the desert road. Philip gets a, what he would call a direct order. He gets a direct order. We get direct orders. Do we get direct orders? How do we get direct orders? What do you think? Hmm? Right. That's the age that we're living in. We are living in a world where here's our direct orders. And there's many things in here that relate to your life that don't necessarily may well relate in terms of spiritual direction. But in general, we've been given direct orders as well. Don't miss it. I'll come back to it. Philip gets a direct order to go south on the desert road, and he isn't given the purpose or the reason as to why he should do that. He gets an instruction. But the Lord keeps the outcome concealed in his own hands. 
So in a sense, Philip is very content with, now follow this, he's very content with what you would call the bare command. In other words, minimum. At its minimum, the bare command was, this is what I want you to do. And there's many of these things in scriptures. Young lady, this is what I want you to do. I do not want you to have sex with your boyfriend before marriage. Young man, do not commit adultery before marriage. It is not good that you would be drunk. It is okay, and I want you to be filled with the Spirit. We can go on and on and on and on and on with the idea that our God is a lawgiver. He's absolute. He has the right to tell us what to do. He also tells us to go to our neighbor. He also may be telling you to go do something for your neighbor, but you have no idea. You just feel the Lord saying, hey, you know what? Go do something kind. Oh, okay, I'm walking over there. And maybe, maybe, who knows what's going to happen? So yes, our Lord does have this right, and it's important for us to understand. But he listened to the bare command of the Lord. And this is what frustrates us. There's the Bible outlines, let me, let me get, get into theology 303 or whatever you want to call it here. The Bible outlines a few meanings. I think it'll help you understand this. The Bible outlines a few meanings as it relates to understanding the will of God. And here's what it says about, about this. God has this kind of will, which, which you would call decorative. It's where the word decree comes from. And his decorative will is the will by which God brings to pass whatever he decrees. This is his hidden sovereign will. That's his decorative will. But he also has this. He also has what's called, and tell me what this is, preceptive will. We get the word precept. What's that? You know? Kendall? You're our Bible student. The word of God. The law. It's all right. It's hot in here today. Don't sweat it, bro. No words. Decorative versus perceptive. Those are the two differences. Now, let me, let me help you with this. When we want clarity, by the way, I would tell you that our, our, our quest for clarity in our lives, please listen if you haven't up to this point. I know it is hot in here. Our, our, <laughs> I was thinking about clarity this week, and I really want clarity from the Lord about a lot of things. But I, I, want, I want to share something with you. Do you know that clarity for me is my great is one of my greatest addictions? I want clarity in my life. I want clarity about my relationships. I want clarity about my future. I want clarity about my money. I want clarity about my employment. I want clarity about uh, everything. I want clarity about the, my, the, the sexual relationship that I have with my wife. I want to sit down and get that real clear too. I want clarity. God forbid there be anything confusing in my life because confusion could be mystery. And mystery means I don't know. And mystery means I have to get on my knees. See, we're, we need to, in my life, I don't know if this means anything for you, confusion seems to be one of the friends of many of these people in the Bible, but it's not one of my friends. What are you confused about today? 
What if I were to tell you that God says it's okay? Did you know that my children are oftentimes confused about things? And did you know that I can't sit them down on the porch even today and sit them all down and say, I'm going to explain to you everything that you need to understand for life and godliness in the next half hour. I can't do it. But I want it. And do you know what, you know what the, if, if I were to shoot the drug of clarity into my arm or into my heart, do you know what the high is? The high is control. That's why I want clarity because I want the high of control. If I can somehow control it, if I can somehow set the ducks up in a row, then everything will be fine. It's like the young man who talked to me a couple weeks ago being very scared about the woman he was going to marry. And he said, well, she's this, 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 and this, and she's not this, 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 and this. And I says, well, what does she think about you? Well, I hope she thinks I have this, 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 and 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 just this. Bad. Well, that says a lot about our self-perception, doesn't it? But the fact of the matter is, is that we love it when we can control it. And Philip here shows us a man who's really out of control, that he had to be content with the confusion. Uh, A final word on this before I go on to my next statement. What are you confused about, brother and sister? Let me just tell you something. It's okay. And it's really okay for God to do whatever work He's going to do in your life because He's sovereign and whatever it is, He's going to work it out. Pay attention to that. Trust Him. He's a good Father. Now, I wanted to give you a side note today. And the side note was I found it interesting that when the, the Lord says here, the angel says, go south to the road, the desert road. It, it, I played golf on Saturday, on Friday here. I, I'm like a Michigan boy. I spent the last 12 years of my life in Colorado. And um, I tried to do a, play golf on Friday in the Nashville heat. And um, it was it was ugly. It was it was really really bad. It, it uh, I looked and here's here's it was something funny. There was a few other guys on the range, and I saw a few guys come up and just hit balls for about 20 minutes. Well, I had to stay there because I'm this type A. You know, got to work on it. I'm going to perfect it right now. Good grief! I have so many problems. Anyway. I look over at this guy who's sitting next to me. I step back. I look at him. He's soaked. And I think, man, you look horrible. I mean, bro, get some water, you know. I mean, help yourself. Right? And I look down at myself. I'm completely drenched. Just drenched. And I go, I go over and I grab my towel and I put it under the, the little faucet that you have for the water out there and just pour it over my head. And just all I'm saying is, Lord, deliver me from this hell of heat. (laughs) God sends Philip on the desert road in the Holy Land. Go south. Who wants to go south? Good grief. Don't send me south. The Lord sent me east from Colorado. I'm still trying to figure it out. 
Going south, that's where the sun shines the brightest. Go on the desert road. Great God, here we go. Good grief, come on. This seems to follow us now. This seems to be what the Lord, I would hate to say this word, kind of does. I don't want to say enjoys doing, but he does. He does it. Maybe he has a reason for doing it. Good grief. I don't want the hot, sticky, miserable, struggling journey in life, do I? I don't want my daughter to get stricken with cancer or and she, none of my daughters are. I don't, I don't want to deal with my parents' death. Both of them gone. I've told you that. Maybe you're, 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 you're dealing with coming out of some kind of addiction or you're dealing with whatever it is in your life and you hate the hot, sticky, desert, miserable road. Well, maybe the Lord has pointed you south and maybe he wants you to be there. I ran into an interesting illustration this week. The verse says in the 23rd Psalm where it says, He maketh me lie down in green pastures. You know that verse? Listen to this. It says the verb here is strong. He compels me. He forces me to lie down in green pastures. An American traveling in Syria became acquainted with a shepherd, and each morning he noticed the shepherd carrying something to the sheep, and the traveler followed him one morning and found that he was taking food to one sheep that had had a broken leg. And as he looked at the animal, he said to the shepherd, How did the sheep break its legs, its leg? Did it have an accident or fall into a hole, or did some animal break the leg? No, said the shepherd. I broke this sheep's leg myself. You broke it yourself, queried the surprised traveler. Yes, you see, this is a wayward sheep. It would not stay with the flock, but would lead the sheep astray. And then it would not let me near it. I could not approach it. And so I had to break the sheep's leg that it might allow me day by day to feed it. And in doing this, it will get to know me as its shepherd, trust me as its guide, and keep with the flock. Do you think the Lord has broken your leg? Maybe mine? Would the Lord take us down that kind of journey? More, more than likely, all of you would say yes. Well, the Lord's got a reason for doing it. Do you know the reason? He's content not to give it to you. So what's the point? Don't try to figure it out. Just say, Lord, you're working on me. I submit to your working. Now, here's the last things that I want to help you with today because they really helped me. So how do we navigate through all this idea of direction, God's will? Let me give you a couple things. Let me say this to you first. The true mark of spirituality is seen in those seeking to know the will of God that is revealed in the perceptive will, the Word of God. Lord, I want to know you. Watch now. Not necessarily here. You're sovereign. I have to trust you there. I want to know you here in your Word. I've got to ask you a, que- I've got to ask you a question. Are you seeking to know the Lord by being in His Word? It's a question you, many of you have been asked your entire life. You've been asked it so many times that when I ask it, you're all the way inoculated to the question. 
I'm not talking about you doing your quiet time. I'm talking about you seeking your Lord, your living Lord in His Word. Or do you just depend on me to give you the buffet every week? Or on Randy? We've got to be a people that are hearing from the Lord in His Word. Spend some time with them this week in the Word. Secondly, this is really interesting and it, and it hit me get big. Listen to this. I'll say it twice. Seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. Seek to be led by the Holy Spirit, yes. But it is vital to remember that the Holy Spirit is primarily leading us into righteousness. Do you get that? The role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into righteousness, not necessarily clarity. It's righteousness. It's a beautiful distinction for us to make. And thirdly, open yourself up to being taught. Change your attitude to more of a student versus being a scholar. Stop telling your friends that you know everything. I'm speaking to me. John Calvin says this, and there must certainly be very little hope of a man who is swollen-headed with confidence in his own abilities ever proving himself docile. And I think I've done that in my life. I had to look at one of my employees this week and we talked seriously about the fact this person looked at me and said, you like to be in control. I thought that's a good thing for you to tell me. I need to hear that. We began to dialogue back and forth. It began to be a very beautiful discussion. I began to tell this person, you need to know that I have to have people in my life that I open up my hands to and I open up my heart to and that I submit to them. It's a beautiful spiritual principle. Proverbs 3, 7 says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body. It's a beautiful word. My friends, let me ask you a question. Who is your teacher? Who are your teachers? When I, I, I challenge you on this all the time. When I, I would love to have a community of people who open up their hands and open up their hearts and look at each other and say, I'm seeking counsel on this. And, and, and for those of you that, uh, that are seeking counsel, read Proverbs, because Proverbs is pretty brutal about the idea of really, we, we need to listen to the rebuke of a friend. We need to have teachers in our lives that we're submitting to. Do you submit to anybody? Is there anybody in your life that you've gone to and say, I'm struggling with something, I want to tell you about it, and I need you to speak into it and let me know? Maybe that person won't say anything. Maybe they just want to pray with you. But the idea of us opening up our hands to being taught and becoming more learning, becoming more humble, becoming more open, it's like open the cargo doors on the ship. Boy, you want to talk about these, these appointments that I have. It's just one big shadow box, 10 rounds of everybody telling me what they, they know. And I, 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 I probably do it too. And it's, it's, it's probably really good for us to say we don't know. The Lord help, but God help us. Men, help, think about what I'm saying. Because we are, we really have this problem. It's called pride. 
And nobody can talk to us about anything. If we've gone to school, if we've been to the school of hard knocks, nobody can tell us anything. We don't even want to hear anybody say any truth in our lives because of what? And we almost have become docile by our own puffed up understanding of ourselves. It's a hard truth for us to hear, men, isn't it? Men, do you have anybody in your life? Do you have any other men that are godly men that you would open up your hands and your heart, the cargo bays of your ship, and just let them speak into your life and love you? Do you have them? Ladies, do you? Many of us don't. Calvin goes on to say, and I'll close with this, that is also why the reading of Scripture bears fruit with such a few people today because scarcely one in a hundred is found who gladly submits to teaching For as long as nearly all men feel ashamed by the consciousness of their ignorance, in his pride, each one prefers to nurse his ignorance rather than appear to be the pupil of other men. It's true. It's really true. So that's it today. Think about it. Pray about it. What's God teaching you about it? What's God leading you to do? Am I saying in any of this that you shouldn't... (laughs) I want want to make sure that you know that you need to feel free to move. Feel free to move in an area that you, you, you gathered some counsel and wisdom and you're moving in that area. Well, guess what? If that's not the right area for you to be in, can God turn you around? Yes. But... Don't sit in a static position and say, well, if I can really understand it and get the feeling, and then, then I'll, I'll move in. I'm not so sure that's what's going on here with Philip, right? I don't want to reiterate the sermon. Think about it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and what it means and how eternal it is in our lives. I thank you for my friends being willing to hear me struggle in giving it. Lord, I, I, I would... I would confess more than any other man in this room how prideful I am. I, uh, I struggle. I pray that I would open up your hands, uh, Holy Spirit, open up my hands to, to your direction and leading, Holy Spirit, especially as you lead me to be the man that, that you want me to be. I pray that you would carve righteousness into my heart and into my hands and onto my voice. Lord, I pray for us all, especially for all, for the many uh, here who are living very lonely lives. I pray for them this morning. I pray that they would hear your word to step into community and fellowship. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are uh, many in here this morning who are, are really struggling and trying to really understand what in the world you're doing in their lives. I pray, Lord, that you would allow them that grace to ask those questions but I pray you'd speak to him we we pray all these things in your name amen